Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, what comes to mind, what comes to mind when you think of the word love? Like, what comes to mind? Or, or better yet, what do you think of when you think of loving people? I mean, I think it's safe to say that for most people, the word love brings, brings to mind maybe our spouse or significant other or family members or friends, people we admire or people we just, that are just plain adorable. I mean, when you think of love, you're like, oh, I want that, you know? Listen, there are all kinds of types of love, right? We, we talked about this in our Hosea introduction, but there's the romantic love. Then there's the familiar love, and then there's the friendship love, and indeed beautiful and important. But when we look at this world that we live in, when we look at the world we live in, and how many things like selfishness, indifference, or hate have caused so many problems, the question is, so how does loving only those in our circle change anything? How does that work? I mean, listen, we as a church, we as a people, we as followers of Jesus Christ have been called to shine the light of Jesus in a very dark world, right? And we've been called to love the unlovable. And how, if you will, will there ever be reconciliation and peace in the world where people only love their friends who are easy to love? You go, Pastor, your point? Well, guys, listen, it's really easy to love those that are lovable. It's really easy to love those that walk with you. It's really easy to love the church. You're like, hey, you're hugging people. You're high-fiving people. I mean, you're welcoming people into your family. And that's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But I, but we, we, we're going to see. Listen, things aren't going to change in our world unless we get to the point where we can love even the unlovable. And to practice, guys, a different kind of love, the love that God teaches us to practice, which is not selfish but selfless, which is a sacrificial love, which is God's love. If you're taking note, here's how Matthew's gospel puts it. Jesus told us in Matthew's gospel, chapter 5, verse 47, it says, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do? And you go, Pastor, what? well, let me put it to you the way the message says. The message puts it a little bit more in our language. He says this, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? He says, anybody can do that. And we're going, wow, that's exactly right. If we're just going to love those that are lovable, how are we going to change the world? Guys, you guys realize that, and, and we're going to get a little bit deeper into this, but you realize that, that, that a core value is the heart, be the DNA of who we are. And so if it's like, listen, here's the deal, man. We're going to love God. We're going to love God, and we're going to love him the way he asks us to love, but then we've got to be the same way. How are we going to change the world if we're not loving people? So tonight, we embark on a brand new journey through the book of Jonah. And of course, we're calling this series, what? Hashtag love people. And tonight, we're just going to look at three verses, mainly two, but three. And uh, so before we jump into the text, I want to remind you of the theme of this book, okay? I want to remind you, it's obeying God's will, doing what God has called us to do, church, will bring blessings to us and 
to others through us, but then this is the part I don't like because this is what he says disobedience brings discipline. Disobedience brings discipline. That's the theme, okay? So kind of keep that in mind. Now remember we talked about this last week. The name Jonah means dove, which I find very interesting. It means dove. So right off the bat, if we're just saying, hey, let's turn to the book of Dove or the book of Jonah, we discover that obviously the dove in Scripture is a type of the Holy Spirit. And if disobedience, right, brings discipline, well, I want to be obedient. How am I going to be obedient without the help of the Holy Spirit? So right off the bat, if we're just going to just look in observation at our text, well, Jonah says, listen, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because his name means dove, gentle, and, and he wants to move. And I was thinking, you know what, obedience to God, I need the Holy Spirit, To love people the way he's going to call me to love people, I need the Holy Spirit. And you go, Pastor Ben, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's not some force, some cosmic, ooh, holy, it's some wind out there. The Holy Spirit, if you're taking note, church, listen, he's the third person in the triune Godhead, okay? You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Three in one. Can you explain it? No. I wish I could, but it's just one of those things that's beyond me. It's like, how does this work? But he is fully God, right? He is He is just as much God as the Father and the Son. But he undoubtedly is the least, the, the least understood member of the Godhead. You see, Christians can identify with God the Father. Oh, God the Father. And obviously his Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, however without a body or a personal name. He only seems distant to many. Yet he dwells, listen church, he dwells inside every true believer and is a constant companion in our walk of faith. So Jonah, right, whose name means dove, is a type of the Holy Spirit. We can see that throughout the book that wants to bring people to Christ. You go, how so? Last week, guys, we talked about the key or the theme, right? The whole theme of the book, which is God's love for people. God's love for people. Now, in your mind, go back to Hosea. Hosea was an interesting book, right? Now, Hosea and Jonah and Amos, they're all contemporaries. They're all bros hanging out, right? They're all at the coffee shop, and they're having lattes and all kinds of stuff. But they're they're contemporaries, and what's happening, okay, is they're all prophets, and what's happening is, is we saw in Hosea that, that God loved Israel so much. He actually used that object lesson. I don't have time to get into it, but he used that object lesson of saying, hey, go marry a prostitute, and she's going to be what? Unfaithful to you, but I'm going to be faithful to you, to them, even when she's unfaithful. And we saw that, that whole thing, but we know that God's theme is God's love for people. But not only Israel... But we learned that God's love for all people, even the Gentiles as well. How so, Pastor? Well, according to Genesis chapter 12, early on in the beginning of the Bible, the Lord said this, Genesis 12, it says in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, you guys remember Abram? Later on, his name gets changed to Abraham, and then we get a song, right? Father Abraham had many sons. He says, the Lord says to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you, and I will make you a great nation. And Abraham goes, yes, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And then verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. 
in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see the promise here. The promise in chapter 12 is that God is not only going to watch out and he's, and he's trying to warn Israel and saying the Assyrians are coming, the Assyrians are coming, they're going to wipe you out, there's judgment coming. But he says, but listen, the Gentiles too, the Gentiles, I, I, I'm going to bless them too. It's going to be amazing. So God also promises, church, that he's going to bless those who bless you and to curse him who curses you. And actually, this actually remains true today and is the root reason for the decline and the death of many empires. Okay? It's still true today. You go, what do you mean? Let me give you some history, okay? There's a, there's a commentator by the name of um, Donald Gray Barnhouse, and he says this. I'm going to quote him. In his commentary, he says, When the Greeks overran Palestine and desecrated the altar in the Jewish temple, they were soon conquered by Rome. When Rome killed Paul and many others and destroyed Jerusalem under Titus, Rome soon fell. Spain was reduced to one-fifth rate nation after the Inquisition against the Jews. Poland fell against the, the pogroms. Hitler's Germany went down after its orgies of anti-Semitism. Britain lost her empire when she broke her faith with, with Israel. This is also one of the reasons the United States has been so blessed. I say past tense. Because we were one of the first modern nations to grant full citizenship and protection to the Jewish people. I pray we can continue to be blessed. Why? Because in Genesis chapter 12, 3, he says, In you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. It's a promise that God has called Israel to be a blessing to the Gentiles. So, not only was Hosea hoping for change in Israel. Okay, you guys with me? Do you remember Israel? Israel was divided, and we'll get into that in just a moment, but he's talking about the 10 tribes up north, okay? And so Hosea is going, listen, please, please, judgment is coming, and he's hoping for change. He's hoping for change. Well, we're going to see how God is going to use Jonah to bring change, well, not so much to Israel, but to the world. And you go, how? Well, the call to love people, the call to love people. Now, listen, there are two separate callings in loving people, okay? If you're taking note, jot this down. What are they, Pastor Ben? First and foremost, church, listen, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to love people to life. Everybody say to life, right? That's important. You go, what is that? That's evangelism. That's to share the gospel. That's to share the light of the world. That's to take your friend and your bro out for coffee and just, and just kind of share what God is doing in your life. Pastor, I don't know how to evangelize. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist like you. I don't know what to do. No, no, no. Listen, a lot of times it's just sharing what God has done. And sometimes you can't explain it. Sometimes you're like, I don't know. Well, what did God do? I just, I'm telling you, I went to this church. And the pastor said, hey, how many of you want to receive Jesus? And I raised my hand and I came forward and my, my life was changed. And I don't know how to explain it, but I know that I love Jesus. And, and you can see that's evangelism. It's sharing the light. It's sharing the light. We're called to love people to life, right? And really, isn't that the key? Man, you've heard me say this a thousand times. There's one thing better than one thing uh, better than going to heaven. You go, what's that? It's taking somebody with you. I mean, we don't want to, I mean, listen, 
Guys, let's be honest. When there's, a, when there's a great sale at the supermarket or the department store, man, we're all over that. Hey, did you see that? Right? I found avocados the other day, 25 cents each. And right away, I'm like, hey, you got to get some make great guacamole, right? I'm spreading the good news with avocados. And yet, when it comes to the what? When it comes to the gospel, to life-saving, we, we hold on to it. Well, I don't know, Pastor. They might, they might think I'm weird. You are weird. I'm weird. Oh, no, Pastor. They're going to think I'm holier than thou. No. What they need is life. And I'll tell you this, right? You you saw it in the movie. Listen, if there's a house that's burning down, you're not going to walk by going, yeah, house burning down. You're going to go, there's, you're going to do everything you can to save who's ever in that house. Well, it's the same thing spiritually, okay? So we're called to what? We're called to evangelize. Let me let you on a little secret. You know how God, you know how he's just so amazing? What does he do with the church? Here's what he does. He says, guys, I want you to have a building. And we go, that's the church. No, that's not the church. It's the building. And here's what we do at the building. We all come in here and we get equipped. We get taught the word of God. Why? Because God has this amazing plan. What is it? He says, all right, everybody holy huddle. All right, everybody got the plan? Everybody got, everybody got the play? Break! And he sends everybody out different places. He knows that there are people that won't come. He knows that people are, are working. He knows that there are people that are skeptical. He knows people that have been hurt. And so what does he do? He sends you out into the world. That's the church. You come in, you go, wow. And so tomorrow you're sitting at the cooler or you're the break room or whatever it is, and you're just like, hey, you know what I learned last night? Well, where were you? Well, I was at church. You went to church on Wednesday night? Who does that? Nobody goes, no, I didn't. Let me sh-. You guys see the point? We're loving people to life. Number two, we're called to love people back to life. We're called to love people back to life, right? Guys, listen, in our sphere of influence, guys, in our sphere, there's people who have been hurt. There's people who are really wounded, and there's friends of ours and family that have lost their way. They've really lost their way. And, and, and listen, we need to love them back to life. See, those who are in need of a real friend, a real friend. See, we're called to love people to life, man. You need Jesus, and then you need, listen, what's going on with you? I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to love you back to life. That's, that's what we're called to do. So then we come to Jonah. Jonah. And I'm calling this message, if you're taking note, the command to love the unlovable. The command to love the unlovable. For tonight, we discover that that Jonah, dove, right, is commanded by God to reach those who are far from him. Who are they? The Ninevites. Now, to you and I, that doesn't mean anything to us because we're like, who are the Ninevites? I don't know any Ninevites, man. I got people across the street. I got people at my job, and they're not Ninevites, you know? So who are the Ninevites? Right now, they're Israel's worst enemy right now. And God is still a God of love and a God of compassion. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to send his prophet to Nineveh to cry out against it. You remember Hosea? Hosea, go marry a prostitute. What? Gomer, a prostitute. It's Gomer. Yeah, I've seen Gomer. No, thank you. Hosea, yes, sir. You, you guys, right? Now, Jonah, Jonah, yes, Lord. 
Go to Nineveh. Mm-mm. 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 Nineveh, no, 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 no. We're going to find out why. We're going to find out why. Because, well, we've got to do some work, right? Let's do some background. We always have to have background in our text, okay? So we can understand the context. You need to know where we're coming from, right? There are a lot of people who come to the book of Jonah and go, oh, Ben, stop. That's an allegory, right? Oh, that's a parable. It really happened. To which I say, if you're taking note, Jonah was a real person, okay? When you get to heaven, you're going to be able to see Jonah. Okay? I don't know what he looks like, but he's going to be in heaven, Okay? And so Jonah's a real person. He was a Jewish prophet from Gath, Hefer in Zebulun, and he ministered to the northern kingdom of Israel, right where Hosea and Amos were. It was during the reign of Jeroboam II. And so here's how it kind of all came to play. After the death of Solomon, his son Rehoboam pursued a course that would divide the nation into two kingdoms. Rehoboam was the king of Judah, was in the, was in the southern kingdom which included Judah and Benjamin. Jeroboam II was ruling over the 10 tribes that made up the northern kingdom. As the story goes, guess what? Jeroboam was fearful that his people would go back to Israel or to Jerusalem to worship. And Jeroboam I said, no, no, no. I, I built some golden calves at Bethel and Dan. You don't have to go back over there. Let's not, let's not go back. So he instructed them, why don't you guys just worship here? Well, you know what's going to happen. When, when we really truly don't worship in, in truth, I mean, I mean, it, it just gets weird. And so that's exactly what happened. The 10 northern tribes were like, we don't have to go to Israel. No, God commanded us to go to Israel. No, we don't have to go. How about we just worship the calf? Well, right off the bat, you would think, hello, it's a calf, right? Do a little bit of history. Go back to Exodus. What happened there? Nope. They decide we're going to worship. And, and, and think about it, guys. They're worshiping the calf that Jeroboam I set up in the north. So what comes along with that? False worship. Idolatry idolatry and then came immorality idolatry and immorality go hand in hand and soon the religion of israel became an evil blend of jewish ritual we're worshiping and really pagan idolatry here's the problem the problem is is like we talked in the book of 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 hosea the people loved it why because they they were getting blessed israel was like man we're getting blessed so it must we you know we're getting blessed, so we must worship the golden calf. I mean, it's working. And so they loved it. They didn't see anything wrong with it. And Hosea and Amos both courageously denounced their wickedness and said, guys, stop, stop, stop to the rulers and the priests and the people. Well, Jonah, guys, was a prophet in Israel, but God had called him to minister to other nations, particularly ones that would come and actually destroy Israel about 740 B.C., so there, I mean, I mean, think about it. This is, this is nuts. Okay, remember this, church. Jonah will soon discover something very important. You go, what's that? Well, it's God's compassion for those outside of Israel, even though, even those who are God's enemies. That's what Jonah's going to learn, okay? So let's get some application before we jump into our text. If Jonah's going to learn compassion, listen, we know this. God has called each one of us to what? To love him. To love him. More than life itself. You go, how so? Jot this down, guys, if you're taking note. Luke chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus is speaking, and he said this. He said, so he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. 
Anybody hear that text before? You should love the Lord your God with everything you got. And we just go, amen. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I know my heart and I know my mind, but okay, well, good. You guys are honest, right? Well, let's, let's break it down just a little bit. Let's break it down. Our heart. Jesus said we're supposed to love God with our heart. Our heart, guys, is the very source of our feelings, our thoughts, our intentions, and our sense of either condemnation or guilt when we've done something wrong, right? That's what it is. Think about it. You're supposed to love God. Think about this with your very feelings and thoughts and intentions. Let me ask you a question. How many times throughout the day do you go, you just think about God and melt? (sighs) Man, if I could send God a text message right now, but God, how you doing? Miss you, love you, right? It's every bit of you. It's every bit. That's your heart, right? God, my heart. He says, you, you know what you're supposed to do, church? You're supposed to love God with all your heart. With all, with, with all my heart? Yeah. Well, here's the problem, okay? Israel was worshiping other gods and they're giving their heart away and so when god says hey you need to worship me with all your heart well it's in broken in pieces i gave some to the calf over here god and 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 so we got to be careful with that why because our heart is the source of our feelings our feelings how about our soul jesus said with all your heart with all your soul what is our soul Our, our soul is made up of our mind guys our mind in our emotions and our will it's it's really who we are Okay, you, how cool is that? How cool that God said, you get to love me with who you, by, by who you are. And he didn't say, hey, how many of you got saved? I'm saved. Okay, now you're changed. I love God. I really love. He, he said, no, you're, you're who you are, man. If you're just, if you are like, like, if you're like the super hype man, you know what the super hype man is? Yeah, super hype man's always going, yeah, and he's just, he's excited. He's hyping everything up. Or you're the quiet person. That just, he's the introvert. You go to a party and you sit there like this. You having a good time? Having a good time? You're not talking to anybody. That's okay. And you start to back up, right? You don't want to talk to, I mean, that's who God made you. And, and he says, listen, here, you're supposed to love me with, with all of your mind and your emotions. You guys tracking with me? Anyone? Nobody? Here's what I'm thinking. Have you ever pulled up to a car? And it's a red light, and you see them singing. Uh, for some reason, cars we think that nobody we think that nobody can see us, right? Let's be honest. We do things that we shouldn't be doing in the car at the red light, right? And sometimes you'll pull up to somebody, and they'll be just like, "Do I have any of those in here?" But when it comes to God, we're we're, we're like this. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And and we're not full of emotion and just just loving God. I mean, you think about that, our emotions. Our emotions. Well, he says you need to love God with all of your heart. Yes, with all of our soul. Yes, what about our strength? Our strength refers to our physical strength. When we turn our heart to the Lord to express him in our soul and in our mind, guys, our bodies would follow. Our bodies would follow. Ah, this is silly, and I'm going to stand over here, but some of you are huggers, right? Some of you are huggers, and you just, you just love to hug. You just like a hug. You're just a hugger, right? That's just you. 
and you meet somebody new for the first time, you're like, come here, I'm a hugger. And they're just like, oh, right? And then they, you know, I mean, do I have any huggers? Honest, be, be real. Honest, we're huggers, right? And there's other people who are not huggers. They're like, hey, what's up? You know, how you doing? You know, it's like, boom, elbow, you know, whatever it is. If you're a, I mean, I just think about this. Think about this, man. You're just loving Jesus so much, and you're in his word, and you just want to hug him. You just want to hug him. Man. God, I just, I just reach up and hug you. You know, I'm just a hugger. That's what he's talking about, guys, and that's, that's the whole point. And he says, of course, the last one would be what? Our mind, right? Our mind is the leading part of our soul directing the rest of our being. That's what Jesus says. Okay, so that's how we should love God, with every bit. With every breath that comes out, we should love God. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Jesus says, okay, not only are you supposed to love God with all of your what? With all your heart, with all your soul, your strength, and your mind. But he says, but you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourself. I mean, that's amazing, right? So God, God has called us, each one of us, to love people. To discover what? To discover compassion for others, both inside and outside our sphere of influence, our work, our home, and even our church. You shall love the Lord your God with everything that's in you. And by the way, you need to love people. Do you ever find a disconnect? Do you ever find a disconnect? Let's be, let, can we be truthful in church? How can we go, God, I love you, but I don't like people. Mm. I don't like anyone, man. If I, just, if I could just live by myself, I'd be cool. There, there shouldn't be that disconnect, guys. There should not be that disconnect. For you to love God, you're going to love his creation. Why? Because we're all created in his image. We're all created in his image. And so, and so as the heart begins to transform, when you just fall in love with God, all of a sudden you're going, man, I, I, see, I see beauty in people. In his people. Pastor Ben, I got a newsflash. Not all people are like, they're not like all cool. But that's not what he says, does he? He didn't say, hey man, you should, you should love the Lord your God with all your soul and all your heart and strength and your mind and just love the cool dudes. Just love the, just love the, the he says, love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and do we love ourselves? We love ourselves, don't we? We do. I've used this illustration before, but if there's ever a group, if there's ever, if you're ever in a group picture, who's the first person you look for? Yourself. I mean, let's just use like, hey, that's me. Oh, I don't like it. Right? When you got your annuals in school, I don't even know if they do annuals anymore, but you got your annuals in school, who's the first person you look for? Oh! And then you guys, I know you guys, you, then you drew mustaches and, and stuff on other friends you didn't like. But that's a whole other teaching. So he says, we need to what? Guys, we need to, we need to experience God's love, his compassion for those that are, guys, inside and outside our sphere of influence. And you go, what do you mean? Well, number one, we're called to love people back to life. Guys, we're called to love the unlovables. And we're going to see what that means today. Guys, we're called to love the churched. Church, you guys with me? The churched. You know, who are the churched? There's a lot of folks, guys, that grew up in church all their lives, 
but they don't have a relationship with Jesus. They just don't. They're just, they're just churched. And we're called to love them, the churched. And we're also called to love the unchurched. There are pe- and, and, and I know, I know it's hard. I know it's, it's blowing your mind. Why? Because we live in Texas. And everybody in Texas is saved. Okay? I mean, or, or I mean, but here, here's my point. The point is there's a lot of people out there, guys, that didn't grow up in church. They don't have any idea. And, and, and we're called to love them. I mean, can you imagine? Sometimes we, sometimes we talk so much church lingo to people who didn't have no idea. You're like, yeah. You remember Jonah and the, and the whale? We always use Jonah and the whale. It doesn't say it's a whale, but let's, remember Jonah and the whale? And he's like, no. Yeah, you do. You know. Samson. You know. What about David and Goliath? You remember Goliath? And they're going, help me, church. I have a clue what you're talking about. I know something about this dude named Jesus, but I mean, I'm just, I just, we just didn't grow up this way. Guys, we're called to love the unchurched. And let me tell you this, we're called to love those that nobody wants. Man, we're called to love that. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, listen, you need to love your neighbor. Okay, he wasn't talking about your next door neighbor because like, listen, I love my next door neighbor. They're like the best people in the whole wide world, right? I love my next door neighbor. I mean, but he meant people. He meant people. So with that as an intro, let's look at the command to love the unlovable, okay? The book of, uh, what is the book of Jonah all about? Well, it's not about a great fish, even though it's only mentioned four times. It's not about a great city, which is mentioned nine times, or even about a disobedient prophet that's mentioned 18 times. This is book is about a great God who loves people. How so? Did you know that God is mentioned 38 times in just these four chapters? It's about God. It's about loving people. Why do you think we use that as our, as, I mean, we're, that's part of our core value. How we need to learn how to love people, right? And so Jonah, he lived in Israel, okay? He lived in, and, and, and God calls him to go to Nineveh, but here's what I want you to see. It's about a 500-mile trip. About a 500-mile trip. Now, the reason it was so long, guys, is you couldn't cross the Arabian Desert. You had to kind of go up over by the, by the Sea of Galilee, kind of come down into Nineveh, right? It was a long trip. Could you imagine? I mean, I'm just, this is just crazy. But, but he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Nineveh. Where's Nineveh? Who's Nineveh? Jot this down, guys. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And you go, what does that mean? If you're taking notes, it's modern day Baghdad or Mosul right there in Iraq. That's where Nineveh is. And I would be totally freaked out. Hey, hey, Ben, yes, Lord. You want me to, what do you want me to do, God? I want you to go to Baghdad. Say, what? <laughs> yeah, I love those people. Uh-uh. Right? I don't know what I would do. What would you do? What would you do if God had called you to go and, 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 and share his message with ISIS? I mean, this is, this is just, I mean, wow, God, you love, I love those people. He loves them, guys. Listen, listen, and this is off track. It's not even in my notes, but, but listen, here's what I want you to see. Do you guys know, I mean, when you read the New Testament, the Pharisees, right? Do you ever get bugged with the Pharisees? 
They're like those religious dudes. They think they know it all and they don't even know Jesus and Jesus comes in and they're always bugging him and they're always thinking and stuff. But can I just tell you that Jesus loves the Pharisees? We didn't find that in Luke 15. Why? Because he invites all of, he invites all, all of them into the parties. He's like, come on. I don't want you to miss the boat at all. And so that's where Nineveh is. Okay. I'm going to get into the text, I promise. But let me give you four big ideas real quick. And you can jot these. This is good. Okay, jot this down. These are the four big ideas of the book of Jonah. Number one, we need to remember that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Okay? That's for somebody here. You go, what does that mean? God is sovereign. He knows. He's powerful. He knows what's going on in your life. He's not oblivious. He's not going, oh, Gabriel, this, what? how come you didn't tell me? What's going on? Michael, get down there and do something. God knows he's sovereign. He's sovereign about everything that goes in, and it's so important to cry out to him. Number two, or let me give you a, let me give you a um, part of God is sovereign. We're going to see that God is the God of second and third chances. Aren't anybody glad that God is the God of second and third chances? Or should I say the hundredth chance? Amen, right? Amen. 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 Here's what we learn about man. Man is disobedient. Man is disobedient. Is that us? Can we relate or what? Right? Because here's the deal. How many of us thought, if I said, hey, you're, you're called to Baghdad right now, go. How many of us thought, not me? We all did, right? We did. Nobody's, look, just me. You're all like, why am I going to say that? Because we, we, we are. We're, dis- we're just like, I don't know. God is sovereign. Number two, here's the second idea. God is the God of all people. God is the God of all people. Number three, the book of Jonah is a picture of the resurrection. It's a picture of resurrection. According to Matthew chapter 12, 38 through 40, it says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. There they are again. But Jesus answered, and he said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, And so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, right? Wasn't that the resurrection? So it's a beautiful picture of the resurrection. So even in the Old Testament, guys, you can see, you can see God working. Number four, salvation is by faith and not works. And of course, if you have been coming to Calvary, you know that salvation is by faith and not works. Okay. Verse one. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, okay, that's verse one. That's verse one, okay? The word of the Lord. Now listen, this wasn't anything new. Why? Because Jonah was a prophet. God was speaking to him all the time. He was a prophet, right? And so when it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, nobody went, oh, what? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, much like the word of the Lord came to Hosea or to Amos. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, much like it did throughout his life. But I want you to see that it was much more important than we just kind of give it credit. Why? Because it was the word of the Lord, right? God is now speaking to Jonah, and he has a message for Nineveh. The word of the Lord, right? The word of the Lord. And so here's what I want you to see. Oftentimes, I don't know if you know this song or not. Most of us do. But there's a song from Mercy Me called Word of God Speak. And that song is just so amazing. Why? Because because it's not about me, it's not about, it's about word of God. Listen, it's going, here, here's the thing. Guys, the word of God is, is going to speak to you. 
is going to speak to you. When you're in trouble, when you're frustrated, when you're, uh, you know, whatever, when, when you're lonely or when you're hurting. I mean, the word, God is going to speak to your heart. Now, here's what I don't recommend, although it's worked for some folks. Don't play Bible roulette. You, you, you guys tracking with me? You know what Bible roulette is? You, you have a problem. You go, God, I think I should buy a car. What do you think? And you just open the Bible and you point to a verse. That's Bible roulette. And sometimes you go, uh, you, oh, my strength, will sing praises. Oh, well, that didn't help me. Study the word of God, guys. Look at your situation and then just, and then find out what God has to say about it. Okay, what does he have to say? What does he have to say? Okay, all right. And, 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 and let the word of God speak to your heart. Let the word of God speak to your heart. See, that's exactly what happens. Listen, he has a message for each one of us. That's what I love about the word of God is that he'll speak to you. And listen, don't be frustrated when you go, I've read that passage a thousand times and I didn't. There's times I'm just like, man, going through the Bible one again and I'm just like, I didn't see that. And it spoke to my heart. And there'll be times when Nathalie will come and say, did you hear? We were reading in this and I can't believe it said that. And I'm looking at her like, wow, that's amazing. And then God calls us on the phone and, no, I'm just kidding. Guys, how important that we come to God's word with open hearts, knowing that God breathed each word for us. Let, let me let me you know let me kind of let you in how it goes a little bit, okay? The music we tend to call worship, but worship is everything. Can I get an amen? amen. Worship is giving. Worship is 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 who you are. Worship is is how you behave. It's everything. We tend to call the music worship, right? But the songs that are picked and the songs that are sang are, are designed, guys, so that you can begin talking to God before the word of, before the the Bible study opens. It's your time to just say, okay, God, I'm just going to, I'm going to let the, the day's events just kind of flood and, and go back and, and I'm going to sing the songs and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you. And then God begins to prepare your heart through song to receive his word. And then we come to the word of God and so all of a sudden, boom, he starts to speak to you. You go, how so? Well, let me just give you a nugget of truth, okay? We know that Jonah's name means what? Dove, but did you know that his dad, Amittai, his name means truth of God or true and faithful, which I found was like, that is so cool. You go, why? Well, here's a nugget of truth. I think if, if Jonah's dad, is, his name means faithful and true, I was thinking, what a great application. Why? Because isn't that really our desire as believers is to live faithful and true? And so what does God do? He begins to knock and he says, hey, listen, look, how, look what the name means. You did a little bit of study and it means what? It means truthful and faithful. And isn't that what we should be like? We should always speak truth. We should always speak the truth in love. I want to remain faithful to him. Guys, it's easy to get off track. It's easy to get sidetracked. But we need to stay faithful. And I think that's a great truth. Well, what's the command, right? What's the command? What's the command? We know who he is. We know that God says, hey, here's my word, Jonah. Here's the command. Look at verse 2. He says, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has what? Their wickedness has come up before me. Oh, man, here's the command. 
Here is the command to love the unlovables. Okay? Here's what I want you to jot down. If you're not afraid to write in your neighbor's Bible, jot this down in their Bible, okay? This is not a suggestion. God is not going, hey, Jonah, come here, bud. You got a minute? You got a minute, bud? Jonah, Jonah, come here. Sit down. Sit down. Hey, listen. Um, there's some, there's some Ninevites, some, the some Assyrian. Yeah, yeah, Jonah, I know. I, I know they're crazy. <laughs> I know. Hey, listen, I was hoping if you had some time, like next Thursday, that maybe you could, like, you know, do, do you think maybe you could just, like, scoot on over there and, and, and give them a message? It's not a suggestion. It's not even an option. What is God saying? God is saying, listen, here's the command. He says, arise. This is the command. Go, dude. Go, dude. Why? Because the word arise there means get up, stop what you're doing, and go. Get up, stop what you're doing, and go. Jonah, yes, sir. Stop, get up, and what you're doing, and go. Go. Listen, I... I'm sure that most of us, if not all of us, in this room has heard God's voice in a, in a similar command. Here's the ministry I want you to do. Go here. Don't do. Don't buy this. Careful here. We've all heard God's voice, but here now the word of the Lord, it says, Jonah, here's the command, right? And I think we all have a similar command, don't we? Well, Jesus gave us a command. He said in Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, he says, go therefore. Where, Lord? He says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Doing what? Teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Here's God's command to us. These guys, guys, listen, listen. I didn't save you to sit down. I didn't save you to sit and do nothing. I saved you to go. We got work to do. Let's go. Who's with me? Who's with me? You got work to do. Ready? Let's go. Let's go. Who's excited? Who's excited? Let's go. He's wanting us to go. Why? Because that's what he saved us for. He saved us so that we could, all right, here's our holy huddle. Everybody get together. Everybody get ready. All right, here's the plan. Here's, here's the plan. Here's the play. Okay, here's the play. Go, therefore. Ready, break. And then he sends you out. And all of a sudden, you're at your job, and you're what? And you're making disciples. How? You're loving people to life, evangelism, and you're loving people back to life, discipleship. That's, that's the command for us. Well, God is commanding who? He's commanding Jonah to go to the Assyrians and preach against them. Now, this is crazy. Why? Because the Assyrians were a super world power at this time. I mean, super world power, and they were wicked and evil. Nineveh was the largest city at this time. And, I mean, just think about this. Think about this conversation with God, right? Think about this. So, uh, Jonah, yes, sir, right? Jonah singing that song, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Right? That's what he's singing. That's Jonah. Jonah, what? Okay. Yes, sir. I'm in. He got assignment for you. Yes. All right. You want me to hook up with Hosea? You want me to hook up with Hosea? Me and Hosea, man, tag team, right? You're in. I'm out. High five. He says, no. No, that's not what I want you to do. He says, "Uh, what do you want me to do? He says, arise. Where am I going? He says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And you know what Jonah did, right? He said, say what? He said, what? I'm sorry, Lord. I, <laughs> we got a bad connection. I thought you said Nineveh. Now, surely you wouldn't say Nineveh, right? Why? Because you're the God of Israel. You're the God of Israel. You're not the God of the Gentiles. You're not the God of the Ninevites. The, the, those guys are just... <laughs> no. So where do you want me to go? I want you to go to Nineveh. Those ugly, wicked people, 
who want to destroy us? You want me to go to them? So is that where you want me to go? And here's what God says. I want you to go to Nineveh. It's a great city, and I want you to cry out against it. Why? Because their wickedness has come up before me. Church, listen, right here, right here, we have a choice. Doesn't Jonah have a choice? He has a choice to be obedient, and he has a choice to be disobedient, okay? He has a choice to obey and to disobey, right? Here's what blows my mind. When God gave the command to Hosea, Hosea's like, okay, I'll marry Gomer. This is brutal. This is going to be tough. Why? Because she's going she's gonna to cheat on me, and she's going to have kids that I don't even know are going to be mine, as a matter of fact, I'm going to name that last one, not mine. But he's obedient. What's Jonah going to do? What's Jonah going to do, guys? He has that. Well, most of us know that Jonah is going to be disobedient. But let me tell you why, okay? Let me give you some background on Nineveh before we, we, you know, before we admonish our boy Jonah, before we're just like, dude, really? Right? Because here's what admonishment means. Admonishment means we go, Man, Jonah, if I was me, if that was me, I would have just went, man. I just went, you know. And we admonish him, but without thinking about it, okay? You guys know what's going on in Jonah. And, and let, let me give you some background, okay? One of Shem's sons, Noah's grandson, probably born on the ark, was Asher. And he first founded Assyria. He probably fled from Nimrod in Babel in order to worship the god of Noah with his family and friends. Soon the wicked... Nimrod, the great-grandson of Noah by Ham, who had begun the kingdom with Babel and its tower and rebellion against God, went forth to Assyria, and he built this town called Nineveh, Genesis chapter 10. The entire history of Assyria is filled with a reign of violence, terror, torture, killing, conquered peoples, and pridefully carried their home parts of their enemies' leaders' bodies in souvenirs of war. You said, what do you mean? Guys, do you know how wicked Nineveh was? When they would go to war, guys, they would take their skull, right? They, they were known as skulls, and they would put, every time they would win, they would kill the people and start putting their skulls up on the entrance. As you walked into Nineveh, all you would see was all these heads, just skulls everywhere. It was so evil, guys. It was so evil that, that the king actually did this. He would actually fillet the skin off his enemy and just hang him and impale him on the wall and so he could just die a slow and brutal death. You didn't mess with Nineveh. You didn't mess with the Assyrians. I mean, this is just part of the, I mean, it's just, I mean, you're just like, no way. No way. I mean, think about it, right? Think about it in our world. I mean, we, we, we get on Facebook or, or, or the internet or, or the news and we see, we see some pretty horrendous stuff, right? And we're just like, dude, that would, somebody's got to stop this. But that was Nineveh. Nineveh was like, no. I mean, what do you think the first thing Jonah thought? I'm dead. God, why do you want to kill me? You know, what did I do, right? I mean, I mean, this is what they do to their enemies. You want me to walk and give them a message? It's not even a great message of love. It's like, hey, in 40 days, y'all are going to die. Peace, you know? It was so bad. So bad. 
The king of Nineveh would usually bring the severed head of a recently conquered king home, raise it on a pole in the midst of his royal banquet, commemorating his victory, and then finally put it over the gate of Nineveh where it slowly rotted away. The opposing generals would get even worse treatment. The Elimnite general uh, was filleted alive and bled like a lamb. His brother had his throat cut and his body was divided into pieces which were distributed all over the country as souvenirs. Jonah, I want you to go shine the light in a dark world. Isn't that what God is calling us to do? Guys, this sounds like a lot what God is calling us to do, shine the light of love and forgiveness and compassion and grace on a wicked world in an evil, dark-filled world. You go, how does that work? But listen, here's, here's how it works, okay? We started the Bible study saying, like, what, what, is it, what, is it, what does it profit us if we love those that are lovable, right? How does that change the world? But if God is calling us to, to love people back to life, well, how does that work? Well, maybe it's a friend or a coworker or a family member. And listen, there's a lot of people who have lost their way. There's a lot of now listen there's a lot of there's a lot of people who didn't even know the way to begin with but because we were raised guys where we were brought up in such a uh, in such in such Christianity there's a lot of people who just kind of said okay I I'm in I'm not what I'm okay and but they don't they, their heart has never been transformed and, 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 and I mean, think about, think about the people in your life, man. I mean, think about the people who had a walk with God and then just walked away from him. Something happened. They're like, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. You see, and, and, and basically their sin is apparent to everyone around it, but to them, they're, they're clueless. They have no, they have no idea that they're in sin. Or maybe they've become disillusioned with Christians. Guys, when we shine the light of Jesus, remember, Listen, it won't always be pretty or nice. If if you've had like a really good friend, man, and 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 they're not a believer, and you start getting listen, maybe maybe this has happened. You start getting strong in the Lord, man. You start walking, and you're like, man, I'm loving God with everything and my affections, and now all of a sudden they don't want to hang out with you anymore. You're shining that light, and you're not doing it on purpose, but you're shining that light, and it's what? Well, here's what. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what John said in 319. He says, and this is the command, this is the, the condemnation. Here, you ready? He says that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Listen, when we're doing evil deeds and we're hanging out in the dark, what's the last thing we want? The light. When you're, when you're so blinded by your selfishness or you've lost your way, the last thing you want is don't turn on the light because it's going to expose my heart and I don't want to have to, I, I don't know how to handle that. And yet we're called to be that light. Why? Because exposing your heart so that you can be saved is the best thing for you. It's the best thing for me. Guys, why do you think why do you think why do you think God busts people all the time? Oh, this famous pastor got you know he got busted. Of course, why? Because God loves him. Oh, he had a he had an empire, but God loves him. And he is so precious to God that listen, he, he's gonna bust you, man. He's gonna bust you. But 
That's what we got to do. So Jonah, arise, go preach that message. Look at verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, listen, we don't have time to get into this. We won't have time, so we'll, we'll finish up next week. But uh, what is our core value? What's the purpose of this, guys? Is to love people. Is to love people. And really, that's what it's all about. It's to take a step outside of who we are and see how Jesus sees them. Guys, you may not agree. I mean, it may be dark. It may be ugly. But, but at the end of the day, and we want to see them come to Christ. We want to see them walking victoriously. We want to see that. Listen, eternity is a long, long time. And if we have the love of God, then that's what we really need. We need to share that love. How? Two ways. You ready? Two ways. Evangelism. Evangelism. Listen, if we're going to win people that nobody's winning, we're going to have to do things that nobody's doing. You know what I'm talking about? It's evangelism. It's evangelism. Let me tell let me let you a little secret on evangelism. Sometimes all you have to do is ask. Man, I've seen some great, great people. They'll just they'll they'll give the gospel so amazing and they'll never go for the ask. And they'll tell them and they'll be like, All right, and the guy's like, how do I get saved? And it's like, Amen, bro. And they never say, Hey, listen, do you want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You, you, You know? That's the first thing in evangelism. Just ask. Hey, would you, would you like me to pray with you? I can pray with you right now. I can pray that God would come into your heart and you can make a decision to follow Christ right now. Listen, here's what you get. Man, what a great exchange. All your sins are forgiven. He's going to come into your heart. He's going to give you He's going to give you new life. You want that? Do you want me to do that? Church, trust me. The first time you do that, it's addicting. It's like, God, can we do this again? Who else is out there, you know? It's evangelism. That's the first one. Number two. Number two, you ready? Is loving people back to life. What do I mean by that, guys? It's like, listen, guys, it's time, and I've said this a thousand times, church, please join with me. It's, it's time that we just stop judging people and we try to love them back into the kingdom. Here's why. At the end of the day, if they don't repent and they don't come back to God, they're going to serve a far worse sentence than what we could ever give. Or what we could ever think. I know it's, I know it's tough, guys, because we go, well, if you would just do this and you would just do that. But listen, sometimes we just got to go listen. Sometimes it's just tears. Why are you crying? Because I know God has so much more for you. I just know. Why? We're called to love people, even the Ninevites. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Oh, man. Let's see what Jonah's going to do next week. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love. We thank you, God, that uh, you've taught us what love is. 
you said, Lord, that um, all people will know that we're your disciples by the love we have one for another. So teach us how to love. God, teach us how to love those that, that, that are lovable. God, help us to love them. And then help us to love those that are not so lovable. God, teach us. Teach us, God. Grow us. And help us, God, to, um, to follow you. We want to love you. And because you love people, that's what we want to do. So we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.